Welcome to the podcast for Church of the Nazarene. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. You can also search for our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcast, and tune in. Make sure to join us each Sunday at 9 on Facebook Live. Our in-person service times are 9 and 10.30 a.m. in English and 11.45 in Spanish. Also, Celebrate Recovery meets each Monday night at 6.30. Good to be with you, church, family. Like Pastor Billy said, my name is Olivia. For those who don't know me, I'm on staff here as the pastor of Generational Ministries. And before we really get to where we're going this morning, I do want to tell you a story I want to tell you a personal story about hope. So, when I was six or seven years old, all I wanted for Christmas was a blue lollipop. I pleaded with my parents, I begged and begged, please get me a blue sucker for Christmas. It was the only thing that would make me happy. You see, I tend to get fixated on things, and that particular year, it was no different. I had all the hope in the world, and I mean, I had so much faith that this blue sucker would make all the difference in my Christmas morning. I really believed that. But apparently, standalone blue lollipops are not super easy to come by. And so a couple days before Christmas, I think my parents were about ready to admit defeat when, as the story goes, my mom was standing in the Cracker Barrel checkout line, and she spotted it, the perfect blue sucker and hope was restored. Christmas morning was saved. I woke up to a blue sucker on Christmas morning and there was no amount of joy that could match my joy. I'm not that easy to please anymore. I'm sure the people in my life wish that I was, but I'm just not. But I tell you that story to lead into where we're going this morning and you probably guessed it. We're finishing up our four what series today talking about hope. Today we're declaring that we are a people that are for hope. So if you've been following along the last three weeks, you've heard what we've been talking about that we're for as a church. And like Pastor Adrian said last week, in a time where it feels like we mostly hear what we're against, it is so good to hear what we're for. And one really cool thing about the past few weeks is that our church mission statement has really helped to guide this conversation about what it is that we're for. So if you haven't been here, let me remind you that our church mission statement is that we are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. So over the past three weeks, let me give you a quick recap. We've talked about how we are for Jesus. We are for loving him, worshiping him, centering our lives on him. Week two, we said we're for holiness. We believe that the freedom of walking in freedom from sin is the greatest gift that we have in knowing Jesus. And it's only because of Jesus that we have this gift. And last week, we talked about we are absolutely a people who are for compassion, which we define as love in action. So this week, we're diving into hope. And I want you to think about a time when you really really hoped for something. For me, this morning, I have hope that the warm weather would come and that it would come soon, right? I see you guys nodding. I have hope that the snow would give it a rest, right? I'm over shoveling my driveway. I I have hope that when we start doing large events again, that the students in this church would stop putting holes in the wall of this room with soccer balls, 
I really hope for that, and the facilities team is like nodding their head in agreement with me. But maybe for you, hope today looks like a job promotion, or hope, hope looks like making a team, or getting a job, or getting into a specific college, or the success of a relationship, or an SAT score, and so on and so on. But either way, no matter what your hope is in this morning, we've all been there. But this morning, I do want to take just a minute to talk about what this hope is that we're talking about and what it's not. So today, the hope that we're talking about is rich and it's deep. It has absolutely nothing to do with earthly possessions or desires or status or even blue suckers, and it absolutely lasts for more than just a couple minutes on Christmas morning. The hope that we're talking about today is the joy and the peace that is found in knowing, truly knowing that a trustworthy God holds our future in his careful hands. And if you ask me, sometimes it's actually a lot easier to hope for a blue lollipop on Christmas morning than to believe that this kind of hope is possible, especially today in 2021. But here's what I don't want to do this morning. I do not want to fixate on all of the hard things that have happened in the past year. I don't want to focus on that, but the truth for us this morning is that we would miss out on the gravity of the message of hope if we didn't just take a minute to reflect on why hope has felt distant in the past year. And here's, I also don't want to pretend that the experience of the past 12 months has been the same for each person in this room. I fully understand that there is grief and loss and disappointment that is in this room that I will never understand. But no matter what the last year has looked like for you, there is no doubt that everyone here has felt the weight of the grief and disappointment in 2020 and 2021, which leads me to believe this morning that there has never been a more important time for us to truly understand the meaning of hope and believe that it is true for us today. So if you have your copy of scripture, I would invite you to turn to Jeremiah 29. And if you're following along in our YouVersion app, you can, you can go ahead and head there as well. Jeremiah 29, it might sound familiar to a lot of you, and it sounds familiar because there's a really famous promise that is made in verse 11. We often find that promise on graduation caps and in the senior quotes in a yearbook, and we see it there because it's a promise about the future. It's a really powerful promise, actually, but the more I'm reading and the more I'm understanding, the more I realize that this promise is actually more meaningful. It's more impactful if you understand it in the context in which it's given. So if you've been around here for any length of time, you know that we're all about the context, right? The book of Jeremiah, it's about a prophet who's named Jeremiah. He's a man of God who talks to God, he hears from God, and he delivers messages from God to the people of God. But this wasn't necessarily a fun or an easy job because during this time in our story, the people of Israel were once again misplaced, they were facing oppression, they were living in disappointment, yet again, if you know anything about the history of the Israelites, you know that they faced trial, they knew disappointment. You see, before this story, they were enslaved in Egypt, living under the oppressive rule of the Egyptians. They escaped that, but then because of their own lack of faith and disobedience, they were stranded in the wilderness for 40 years 
years. And I tell you this so you know that the people of Israel, they knew suffering and they knew suffering well. But now in the present of this story that we're in, the people of Israel are yet again misplaced. They're once again living in exile. They're living separated from the land that God had promised them. But this time, they're living under the rule of the Babylonians. In their situation, it seemed far from hopeful, but that's not it. Right before we get to our story in Jeremiah 29, we read about another prophet named Hananiah in chapter 28. You see Hananiah, like I said, he's another prophet that speaks to the Israelites on behalf of God. He had um, a message of freedom for the Israelites. He told them that God had said to him that in two years' time that the yoke of Babylon would be removed from their necks and that they would get their land back. And this, this is a big deal. This land that he's speaking of that we've referenced is the land that God promised to his people years and years ago. So this was a message of hope from Hananiah. It was a message that God was going to be faithful to his promise and restore the people back to their land. The promise was that their oppression was soon coming to an end. And this is obviously a message that the people could get behind. It was exciting. Freedom was finally in sight. Now, try to imagine yourself in the shoes of the Israelites for just a second this morning. You're exiled, you're kicked out of your land, and then you hear this exciting news that in just two years, I mean, it's a little bit of time, but you can do it. For two more years, you're going to go back to the land that God had promised you. Of course, you would be excited. Of course, you would welcome this message of freedom. But then we read the Lord speak to Jeremiah clearly. He says, this message from Hananiah, it wasn't from me. This was not a message from me. This is not the truth. Jeremiah, he has to deliver that message to the people. Shortly after that, Hananiah dies, and his message of freedom dies with him. So why do I go to all the trouble of setting this story up for you this morning? Because the people of Israel, if I've said it once, I've said it ten times, they're disappointed. I mean, historically, they're facing defeat after defeat, right? And then freedom and hope is dangled in their face, and what feels like an instant, it's ripped away by a man they thought they could trust. I tell you this so that you understand how deep their wounds are historically, but so that you also understand that as we pick up in chapter 29, how fresh their wounds are. They're deep, but they're fresh. And I bet a lot of you in this room can relate to that feeling of hopelessness, to hope being dangled in your face and then getting ripped away in what seems like an instant. And I think the temptation for us this morning is to hide from those feelings, to hide from the grief and the disappointment. But this morning, I would give you a, a strange invitation. I would invite you to lean in to those feelings of disappointment, to those feelings of grief for just one minute as we go into our scripture so that you can fully understand the weight of the message of hope for us this morning. So we pick up in chapter 29, and Jeremiah is given a message from the Lord. And let's remember that this message is given to a specific audience, but that we as onlookers, as readers, can relate to their disappointment in a really real and tangible way. So as we unpack the words of Jeremiah, we pick up in verse 4. It says, This is what the Lord Almighty, 
the God of Israel says to all those, I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says. Do not let the prophets and the diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. So before we move on, let's recap for just a minute. God is basically telling them, here's the truth. This is, this is the only truth that matters for you today. This is the message that matters for you. Don't listen to the other messages. This is important. The truth is that you're going to be here for a while. You're going to be living in this exile for a while, right? So get comfortable. Stop spending all of your time trying to get out of this situation. Instead, be faithful. Plant gardens, get married, have families, make this place of exile your home. And not only that, I'm actually commanding you to pray for the good of this city because when this land prospers, you will also prosper. On one hand, we can relate to that, right? But on the other hand, I have to imagine that this message didn't feel all that hopeful at first. I have to imagine that the Israelites were listening to Jeremiah and they felt like he was pouring salt into their wounds. It seems like their circumstance would tell them that hope was actually lost. And then on top of that, as we will keep reading in just a minute, we actually, we read that God tells them that they're going to be there for 70 more years. So the end was actually not in sight. In fact, most of the people hearing this message from the Lord would never go back to the promised land. They wouldn't, they wouldn't make it, right? They, their life would end before they could even go back to the land that God had promised them. It feels like hope is lost for them, right? But we also know that the God we serve is not a God of evil or a God of discouragement. He is actually a God of life and of hope. And that is where we pick back up. In verse 10, it says, this is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. And this is the famous promise that we all know so well. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. You will seek me when you find me, when you seek me with all of your heart. Glance back to verse 9 for just a second. Notice God declaring that the hope they're looking for, it cannot be found in the false prophets around them. It cannot be found in someone who's more interested in their own timeline than in the word of God. But their hope can be found in him and him alone because he says, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. I know the plans I have for you, and those plans, they're not to harm you but they're to give you hope and a future. And as we lean into this promise this morning and try to understand what it means for us today, as people living in 2021, I think there are a few really important truths for us. The first truth for us this morning is that God's promise of hope 
It's been fulfilled. I know what you're thinking. What about the Israelites who will never make it back to the promised land? Where is the hope for them? 70 years is a long time, right? I don't know how hopeful that feels. Like we've said, a lot of them won't ever make it back. But the good news for you and for me is that we know the end of the story. And I don't mean the end of the story of Jeremiah. I mean the end of the story. The end of the story of the word of God. When we look at this passage in context of the whole story of scripture, knowing what we know about the good news of Christ, we know that this promise, it's already come to pass. The temptation for us is to look at the 70 additional years of exile and suffering, and the temptation is to identify with that. But the fulfillment of God's promise to the Israelites commands us otherwise. This Old Testament promise about the future is a future that's actually unfolding all around us today. Today we are living in the reality of this promise. God's faithfulness is displayed in the fulfillment of this prophecy, which started with the coming of Christ. The hope that Jeremiah is talking about, that's Jesus. Jesus, he came to reconcile us, to forgive us for the ways that we've sinned against him so that we could live in the hope of God the moment we say yes to him. So here is what's true for us today in 2021 as people who are living in the reality of God's promise. It's true that we have a hope in a future now. It is true that we pray to him and he listens to us now. We find him when we seek him now. We have hope now. You see, one of the greatest misconceptions, in my opinion, of Christianity is that we just sit around idly by waiting for God to call us back home, right? But when we believe that as truth, we miss out on the fullness of his glory, the fullness of his goodness, the fullness of his hope on earth today because of Jesus We have access to God right where we are. We are living in the promise of hope today because of Jesus. The second truth for us today is that hope is a tool. We know that hope is available to us today, but it's meaningless if we don't know how to use it correctly. See, I'm a homeowner, which has its perks, but it also has its downfalls because I just, I don't know how to do things. I mean, really, I don't. I'm pretty clueless when it comes to home repair, and I bet that's not shocking to you. And just to prove my point, I've lived in my house for a little over three years, and I flooded my kitchen twice trying to fix appliances that I had no business trying to fix. So it's just not a good situation. But this past summer, I got this itch to, like, build a patio situation in my backyard. I was like, I want pea gravel, I want a fire pit, I want Adirondack chairs, I want lights, I want the whole thing. I was also, I had been exposed, so I was in quarantine for the first part of this project, and I was like, well, I have spray paint and I have a shovel, and that feels like all I need. And so I was absolutely underqualified, I was underprepared, I had not thought it out, but I was like, why not? So I just went for it. I went outside and I drew this huge circle in my backyard, probably too big, and I just, I started shoveling, right? And about 15 minutes in, I was like, this is for the birds, I'm not doing this, this is terrible. And so I'm shoveling and I'm like, it's clear this shovel is not gonna get the ground level like I need it to be, so I'm just gonna kill the grass and hope for the best. 
And because I trust you guys, I'll tell you how I did that. It's a little embarrassing. I just went and got my lawnmower and was like doing donuts in the circle in my backyard, trying to get the grass as low as I could. And my neighbors probably thought I was crazy, but that's what I did. And then I sprayed it with Roundup and I was like, it looks good enough, right? And so after I was done in quarantine, I went and got the gravel, I spread it out and it was too late to care about the fact that it was not level enough. And so now my poor life group, whenever they come over for a group around the fire, there's someone who really has to, like, engage their core so they don't fall into the backyard when they're just sitting around the fire. And I obviously, I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the skill set, but I also didn't have the tools I needed to get this job done well. No matter how much I dug, that shovel was never going to be what I needed it to be. And in the same way, this morning, I think there's this temptation to use hope in a way that it's not meant to be used. I think that we often see hope as a feeling or as an emotion, and that's just not the way that hope functions. When we view hope this way, we usually just end up disappointed and discouraged. And if we let our circumstances dictate how we hope, we will never be a people that are for hope. This was true for the Israelites, right? Their circumstances, they were less than ideal, but God, he made no mistake when he commanded them to have hope. And just like the Israelites, there are circumstances all around us that would tell us not to hope, right? And just like Hananiah, there are things around us that look like hope, that feel like hope, that act like hope, but they are not fixed in the God of hope. It would be easy to have hope in our schools going back full time in the fall, It would be easy to have hope in the warmer weather that's coming soon that will make us feel a little bit normal again. We've come through a season of having hope that our political party would fight for us in the way that we need it to. It's easy to hope in our checking account. It's easy to have hope in blue lollipops, right? But as we know, a blue lollipop, it's gone in just a moment. And the joy that it brings us fades just as quickly. When our hope is placed in temporary things, our hope is just that. It's temporary. When we place our hope in the things of this world, it's like we're forgetting that the things of this world fail us time and time again. And when they do, our hope will fail us too. This is why we have to understand this morning that hope, it is not a feeling. It is not an emotion. It is a tool We get to choose where we place our hope and what we do with that. You see, joy, joy is a feeling. Joy is a feeling that is a product of fixing your hope into the right thing, into Christ, because he is not temporary. He will not fail you. He is trustworthy, and he cares about your future. So hope is a tool that you fix into the solid rock. And then the cool thing about that is once you do, you get to help others fix their hope into something solid as well, which takes us to our last point, that we don't keep hope to ourselves. Let's revisit our mission statement one more time. We are transformed by God to bring hope to others through Christ. You see, we are a people who are for hope. We believe in hope, but we don't stop in just believing. There's action involved here. This action involves us not being passive in our hope. We don't keep it to ourselves. We don't ration it. We don't treat it like some big secret. We don't believe that hope is reserved for the other side of eternity. 
We believe that hope is now and that our mission is to be carriers of that hope to a world that is desperate for it. Romans 15, 13 tells us this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are a few really noteworthy things here. God doesn't just give us hope. He is the God of hope. It's in his character. It's who he is. And it tells us that we actually find the emotion of joy and of peace when we put our trust in him, when we are fixed solidly in him. Because God is hope, when we trust him, we overflow with hope. The word for overflow in its original Greek form here is parisio, and it means to abound or to exceed an expected measure like a river that outflows its banks. Think about that, a river that is overflowing. That is a picture of hope when we use it correctly. If we use it like the tool that it is, it overflows and it gets on the people around us just like a river that's overflowing. So I would ask you this morning, are you overflowing with hope today or are you keeping it to yourself? And as you reflect on that question, I, I would invite you to remember that we are a church that is for hope. We believe in hope. Because of Jesus today, we have hope. We do not have to wait any longer. And that hope that's available to you today, it will absolutely change your life if you use it correctly. And don't hear what I'm not saying. It may not change your circumstance right away or even in the way that you want it to, but I promise it will be everything you need when you're in your darkest moment, when it seems like hope should be lost. And I'm so confident today that when you lean into that hope that others' lives will be changed as a result. So as we wrap up this morning, we're going to transition into a time of worship, a time of response. And I don't know that there's a better way to respond to this message of hope than participating in Holy Communion. Here in the Church of the Nazarene, we approach communion as an act of remembrance. We partake of the elements to remember what Jesus did for us on the cross. We know that his body was broken and that his blood was shed for us so that we could have this hope today, so that we could walk in the fullness of God's glory here on earth. We eat the bread and we drink from the cup, acknowledging that Jesus paid the ultimate price for each of us because he always had and always will have our best interest at heart. So as we worship today, I would invite you to take a moment to pray to reflect, to ask God how he would have you respond to his word today. And when you're ready, if you're in right relationship with Jesus or seeking that relationship with him, I would invite you to partake of the elements. And in doing so this morning, you are declaring emphatically that you are for hope. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful that your word is true for us today that it does not return in void, Lord, that you are a God that is for hope, for hope for us today. God, thank you that you're faithful to your word and that your promises are true. Thank you that we get to live in the reality of your promise to us today, that hope is not lost. In fact, in you, our hope is found. Lord, thank you for that truth today. So God, I pray that you would speak now, that you would move now, and that your presence would be undeniable to us. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.
Thank you so much for listening today. You can email us at info at cotnaz.org for any questions about our church. When you're done listening, please subscribe to this channel for the latest updates and new episodes.